0: Yeah, I know, going through all the news stories every day, reading all these articles, it's a dirty job, but, but somebody has to do it. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome to our weekend edition of Truth to Ponder, and I'm your host, Bob Bierman. I want to start out the program today by sharing an email that I received just this morning from a listener. And I think he was talking uh, about the program that I had yesterday for those that listen Monday through Friday uh, that get more than just the weekend edition. And and I'm going to share what this individual wrote and then a few comments. And, of course, a thank you for him writing. He writes, I applaud your courage to stand up for your beliefs. It's obvious you are driven to stand up against the garbage in the world right now. That said, lately, when listening to your show, and he gives the time at 5950 kilohertz on WRMI at 10 o'clock in the evening, Eastern Time, he said, I sometimes sense some anger. May I say some righteous anger in your voice? I felt this way as well for the last few years. It's caught up to me, though. Recently, I chose to take a news media fast for a week, then a month. I did this because I became concerned that the overexposure to the media, the bad news from any source, was simply, well, upsetting them and wearing them out. After this break, I was a new man, calm, refreshed, and What a what a contract. Your show is based on you keeping up with the news, I understand. My concern is that you don't lose your mind, so to speak, the world is madness, I get that. And I hope you take this email in a positive sense. You have a wife, a family, and other things besides your program. The effects of injecting news will dilute your optimism and cause issues. What we are is what we eat, food, news, etc. I know that you do not have an easy calling, but as one who is burnt out in his Christian calling, I'm sensing you may need a break and you may be right. And at some point, I'll probably take a little time away from this program. We're coming up on the second anniversary in, uh, what, in end of August, as we get towards September. And I think we'll try to make it as far as we can. And then, you're right, we will find a way to take a little time away. Maybe get somebody to help produce some programs in advance. And, And I will take a little time away, because as my wife will tell you, there are times... That it really does affect us in doing the program. But then I get again I realize it is like I said, it's a dirty job and someone has to do it. To filter through all of this news and information, it's not easy. And we have so many stories to share today, and then I have something at the second half of the program I want to share with you as well, which is more on a positive note. Now, today, which is normally my custom, especially on the weekend edition of the program, is to deal in two realms. Number one, the realm of the news and the stuff that's out there and and try to give you my take. And and really, there, there is some positive stuff in all this, believe it or not. Saw some stories, and I just want to kind of run through them real quick. How many of you remember not long ago that Pfizer, you know, the fine folks that bought you their mRNA vaccine along with Moderna and others. How many of you remember, you know, that Pfizer had come out with this new miracle drug? Remember the the new miracle drug and Pfizer had started this new thing. It's it, it, it's their latest covid pill. And, and this was going to, you know, get rid of the symptoms and make you happy and healthy in case you ever came down with the coronavirus. These are the same people that told you their vaccine would make you COVID proof. <laughs> As we learned, that didn't work. Yeah, I was watching television last night and, and and I don't have time to go look for it and play it for you. But you can rem- remember President Joe Biden said, just get vaccinated and you won't get COVID. Dr. Anthony Fauci said and echoed the same thing. Just roll up your sleeve, get vaccinated, get double boosted, and you won't get COVID. And what happened to Dr. Fauci? He tested positive for COVID. Now, I'm sure they're going to say, well, you know, it's because he's vaccinated. He's got such a mild case. Guess what? I know a lot of people that are unvaccinated that have gone through Omicron. A lot of people. And... They were doing very well very quickly. It was like a common cold, and the worst side effect was you were tired more often, and you tired easy. That was the big difference between Omicron and Delta and everything else that came before it. The Omicron variant, which would occur naturally because it was coming out before the vaccine really you know, got to everybody and started putting pressure on the virus. By the way, reading another story that that is concerned about those that uh, because of the virus, uh, because of the vaccine, we may be putting some pressure on the virus and we might have some new strains coming out that may be, shall we say, more severe than what we've been getting of late with Omicron. Like I say, I've talked to a lot of people that have had Omicron And they compare it to a mild cold that lingers on for a few days. And then just being more tired, going to bed early and just, you know, feeling lazy for about two weeks, maybe a little longer, depending on your age and and other health considerations. Well, Pfizer now is going to stop their covid pill trial, because guess what? After all the, you know, people being told they have this new wonder drug on the horizon And I'm sure a lot of people invested their money into the stock market, into Pfizer. You know people did. And now Pfizer is going to stop that trial. Why? Because it did not reduce symptoms. It did not reduce hospitalizations. And it did not reduce deaths. In other words, just like their vaccine, it's a total fail. We know one thing about the vaccine. And I know, and I don't want to harp on this too much today. We've talked about it enough this week. We were sold a bill of goods that this would make us COVID and bulletproof. It's good for everybody, all ages. And now you have the Federal Death Administration, along with the CDC, thinking this is a good idea to experiment on six-month-old babies. And this angers me, because a six-month-old baby... If you don't understand this, is developing a very powerful immune system, and I really believe, and many doctors, many respected doctors, that have put their license on the line, their careers on the line. Many of these people have made it very clear that we don't know what the long-term effect is. And I, if I, if I had a six-month-old child or even a six-month-old grandchild, her great-grandchild right now, I would be very concerned about them even considering using that little baby as part of an experiment. See, Pfizer only spent weeks testing this vaccine on the little toddlers up to five. And the same was true for those that were above the age of five to age 11. The, 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 the trials were too short. And they would cull the data to make it look good. So if things didn't look too good, they would dispose of certain parts of the data set. We're, we're seeing it now. We're beginning to see the paperwork, you know, the one that Pfizer wanted to hide for 76 years. 76 years. I guess I would have been, what, if I lived, I'd be 140 years old when that stuff finally came out. How how ridiculous can this be? In other words, they don't want anybody really uh, in the decision-making process to be alive when the truth would come out in 76 years. I'm still waiting to find out about the Kennedy assassination stuff that's supposed to come out by the time I'm 80. Maybe. We'll see. So they stopped their trial, which means that they have a failure on their hand. And we also know that the vaccines, they've had this issue. You know, the idea of the Johnson and Johnson, one and done, and the other one was, you know, you come in and get one and after two weeks, but not more than, what was it? I can't remember, 30 days. Then you come back and you got your second dose. And then, you know, within a matter of days, you're going to be COVID proof. Take off your mask. Get your freedom back. Just get vaccinated and take off your face diaper and you can have your life back. You can go back to restaurants. You can travel again. You don't need any of it. You've done your job for, you know, for God and country, so to speak. What happened with that narrative? <laughs> it fell apart, didn't it? Because all of a sudden, we heard about these rare, I mean super rare, breakthrough cases. I can remember, I've seen some of the clips on like MSNBC and, and CNN. Well, there have been a handful of breakthrough cases, but this is not the norm. So still go out there and get vaccinated. Well, as time went on, we're now finding out, they're not, you don't even hear the term breakthrough case anymore. They've had to drop it because it's not true. We now know as a fact, Facebook hates facts. That's why they have their factless phony checkers trying to send you to their COVID-19 deadly information site full of misinformation. As far as I'm concerned, the facts don't bear it up. See, this is one of the problems with with all that has occurred in the last two years. And I want you to just to take this to heart. I no longer can trust virtually anything said by our current government here in the United States. And I have a number of listeners in Canada, the United Kingdom, Australia, New Zealand, um, even some other foreign countries I'll mention in a moment that are thinking the same thing. They no longer have any confidence in institutions that they once thought were really looking after their own well-being. I can remember, and I've mentioned this before, some of you may have never heard this, especially those that only listen on the weekend. There was a time way back in the 1970s that I worked for a radio station in Atlanta, Georgia. This before I moved to the engineering side, and I, I had kind of a dual role. I was doing work on the AM radio station as a disc jockey, and I also did a lot of reporting for their FM station for news and there were several places they would send me not every day there'd be some big story and they would send me out in the morning to cover certain things and one of i would cover the governor's mansion in georgia for some press conferences and i also would go to the cdc building just down the street and i covered you know some of their press conferences and and you know back in the 70s and who would ever doubt the good of the cdc i do now i think the cdc is a bought and paid for organization over these 45 years probably longer they have gotten too cozy with those they regulate and it's those they regulate that fund them and i think when you get money in the mix between multi-billion dollar pharmaceutical companies and a government agency looking for handouts you've got a dangerous scenario and, and the fact that we have a setup within the FDA and the CDC that is too cozy is downright dangerous. And so what I, what I want you to understand is that what needs to be done here in the United States is there has to be a divorce between the pharmaceutical companies and the government agencies. When you look at the people that run the FDA or those that end up in the CDC, most of them have come from the pharmaceutical industry and they go back to the pharmaceutical industry. There should be like a ban on that. I mean, if you work for Pfizer, you should never be allowed to work at the FDA. You never should be allowed to work at the CDC. If you've worked for something that is going to be regulated you, you you can't have this connection. There needs to be a separation of the two. Otherwise, one will corrupt the other. And in this case, the money's gonna corrupt the CDC and the FDA. So Pfizer's got a fail on their hands in their in their uh, COVID trial. So all this is, you know, back to the drawing board. And then we see that the vaccines don't stop the spread of COVID-19. You know, that's why everybody wanted this vaccine passport. You can go back to the bars. You can go back to a ball game. You can travel again. I mean, in some countries, you can't leave the country or come back unless you are vaccinated because they don't want you spreading COVID. Unfortunately, that was the ruse. And we now know it's not true. You are your odds of getting COVID are equal or now they're beginning to believe greater if you're vaccinated than unvaccinated. So what what good is it except control? We have people talking about, let's go to the monkeypox nonsense. You know, you, you remember hearing about monkeypox. Too
1: much monkey business. Too much, Too much monkey business. Monkey Too much monkey business for me to be involved in.
0: Ah, uh, yes, that was going to be the next big global pandemic to be scared and frightened about. Monkeypox. And we're all supposed to consider, I mean, look, even Dr. Fauci and others were already mentioning the idea of wearing a face diaper to avoid getting monkeypox. The problem with monkeypox it is a politically correct issue problem they don't like to discuss just like everything else coming out of the warped leftist mindset that is just sick and beyond belief they want you to wear a face diaper to get uh, to avoid getting or spreading a disease that is not spread by your respiratory system did you follow that so what good is it going to do and the truth is in reading A lot of the news stories that they don't like to talk about, unfortunately, it is a disease primarily spread and contained within one specific community. Like 99% of the cases are men who are, shall we say, um, have multiple partners in same-sex relationships. I'm not going to go into any more detail. And a tiny number are, shall we say, um, bisexual. So it's not a problem for the general population. It is not a problem that requires perpetual face diapering and all this other social distancing nonsense. And awaiting some miracle vaccine from Pfizer or Moderna or some other company. They just don't want to admit where it's spreading and what the problem is because it ruins it ruins their narrative. And so we've got this issue uh, with monkeypox. We we have these issues. I, I listened to this little audio clip, uh, clip. You know, it was about a week or so ago. You had the World Economic Forum meeting in Davos, and they had this roundtable discussion that they videotaped. And one of the speakers in that group of five that they had on the stage with the moderator was none other than Bill Gates. Yeah, the the guy that pretty well ripped off an operating system and became a multi-billionaire, uh, America's you know geek personified, who now is an expert on vaccines and all things medical. And so he is on a discussion board about how to prevent the next pandemic. And I want to listen I want you to listen to this little tiny clip and then I'm going to give you a comment. Now listen really carefully to what what Bill Gates had to say and this ought to define where we're going in the future.
2: And then, you know, as we do come up with vaccines, we want vaccines that are infection blocking and long duration, which today you know the vaccines have saved millions of lives, but they don't have uh, much in the way of duration, and they're not they're not good at infection blocking.
0: Now, if you didn't catch that, let me just kind of make it clear to you, okay? What Bill Gates just admitted in that panel at the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, you know, about a week ago. On a panel of so-called experts, these vaccines do not stop the transmission of a virus. We need a vaccine that does. The whole point of all of these strange government mandates about vaccines, were they were going to keep you from getting and spreading this virus, and Bill Gates, Mr. Vaccine Everybody Needs One himself He's the guy that says we can control the world's population with vaccines. That's a quote of his. He just admitted to everybody what a lot of people have been saying is true. And those are the ones that always get silenced by fascist book commonly known as Facebook or deplatformed at YouTube and, and Twitter. Because they're giving they're giving COVID-19 misinformation. No, they're not. They're giving you the truth. And you don't want to hear it. The truth is hurting the multi mega billion dollar vaccine industry. They have products out there people are taking that don't work and, even worse, can cause more harm than good. That's why I'm against vaccinating little children with this experiment. We don't know what this is going to do to their immune system in two, five, or ten years. And for little children whose risk is virtually zero, the only sad statistic of those that died of COVID that were young, they all had extreme other illnesses that were life-threatening in every case. No young, healthy child, zero, died of COVID-19. We also know that little children are terrible at spreading it. For whatever reason, and so there was never a big threat to the school teachers that those little, those little, you know, rug rats were going to kill them from COVID. Yet they stayed home, and your kids suffered. Government people got to go to work. Those teachers got to stay home or go virtual and kept their paycheck and benefits. Anybody that worked in government kept their paycheck and benefits. Even if they were working in a, you know, think about this, the guy that works parks and recreation, the parks are closed. You can't go to any of their sites. So he gets to stay home in his pajamas, have a once a week Zoom meeting and keep his full government paycheck and benefits. You, the one that spent your life savings to build that restaurant you and your wife dreamed of, have gone broke and bankrupt and they don't care. Oh, we'll give you a few dollars. You know, we'll give you $600 here and $600 there over, what, two years? And that's supposed to make it all right? People have been driven into poverty. And now we have a morally, ethically, and spiritually bankrupt administration here in the United States headed by somebody with obvious dementia or cognitive issues. He's just a puppet. The most extreme leftist, who are believing the lie, as the Bible says, to such a degree that they can never see the truth, are now in charge of everything in the United States government at the moment. And the election of 2022 may delay some of their implementation, but it doesn't stop it. And if you think it's going to be fixed by 2024, you're, you're forgetting that all these Satanists and Luciferians will have two years to plan how to steal an election. And don't think they won't. I guarantee you, they will. I want to leave COVID-19 behind uh, for the remainder of this program. But I do want to share something with you, just a few thoughts. And I want you to to think about everything you've experienced and seen and witnessed wherever you are about this virus that is unprecedented. And and these are my final thoughts. When COVID-19 started, it was very clear that there was a coordinated, well-planned global push for it that eventually was going to result in a mandatory adult vaccination program. And that has happened in much of the world. And this naturally raised the question by people like me, why? And the leading, the leading hypothesis that I had when it all started out, and a lot of it's still true today, the Western elite, what we call the deep state here in the United States, the reprobate-minded politicians that are in it for themselves and don't care about you, they're corrupt to the core. They're pure evil. They are. They're just pure evil. There is no life in them. They were willing to do anything to get rid of Trump. Now, I'm not saying Trump is a saint, but I'm saying he was exposing the deep state and they didn't like it. China was also willing to take very desperate measures to get rid of Trump's trade policies, which the Biden administration is going to get rid of now. And this is all aimed at containing their economic growth. That's what we were trying to do, but now all bets are off. Silicon Valley, that's, you know, Facebook, Twitter, all of those eight all of those new media types are in a power grab. In this transition from conventional media and a conventional economy, they want to be in the center of what is called the new, the new digital economy and digital tracking system. It kind of reminds me of a song from the nineteen eighties. no doubt in my mind that this orwellian world of 1984 i remember reading the book like 50 some odd years ago and even then it seemed too bizarre to believe i mean when i read the book 1984 way back when it just seemed like yeah that might happen in the soviet union it might happen it's probably happening in red china But you know, someday freedom will ring. That's what I believed at least 50 years ago. That as the world got smaller, the world would get freer. I guess I was an optimist back in 1972. And the idea of Big Brother watching. Every move you make, every step you take, everything you say, write, do, what have you, is now documented. And we, we have developing in this world now what is called a social credit system. China's already employing it. And it's coming to many places across the globe gradually. Just like the economics are being changed too, where eventually it'll be a digital currency where Big Brother can cut off your funds and you can't buy or sell. We are are entering a time and and we, we need to understand something. Many church bodies, and I was reading this other story, I'm gonna be really quick on this one. There there's a denomination in America called the Christian Reformed Church, been around a long time, not a huge denomination. But at one time, pretty much a very faithful denomination, but they, like many others, including even Southern Baptist, are wrestling with the issues of LGBTQ and homosexuality. Is it okay? Should we have same sex? They're all fighting this. The satanic influence to destroy the church from within is unprecedented. And you have all these deceived individuals in these churches believing that they're right, but they have sold their souls away for sensuality and satanic influence. They're no longer preaching the gospel. They're preaching another gospel like the Bible says. They will heap unto themselves teachers having burning and itching ears to hear what they want to hear. And it's amazing as I've looked over the history of a number of church bodies in the United States, going back to the 1960s, the turbulent 60s, and the do-whatever-feels-good 70s. You begin to see the influence of the culture dominating these particular church bodies. And that, to me, is one of the most great, one of the gravest dangers in America today. Even in the Bible Belt, you recognize that the majority of people living in the Bible Belt are unaffiliated with any kind of church or any kind of religion, for that matter. And Christians are increasing in the minority. The hardest thing we can do right now is to find that good soil. That good soil that is waiting to have the Word of God proclaimed. Like I say, I'm looking at what happened, what's happening right now. You know, it, it was a surprise move, by the way, within the uh, Reformed Christian Church. You know that they're, for the time being, upholding the concept of homosexuality as being, you know, forbidden by Scripture. But in many local churches, in their primary college, Calvin University or Calvin College, all these things are still being debated. It's still unsettled. And how many denominations in the United States, the Episcopal Church, a lot of the Methodists, United Methodists, a lot of you know Presbyterians, the PCUSA, and the list goes on, have given into the culture and abandoned the Word of God. It's a very unique time in which we live. Now, real quick. If you listen to this radio program, I would love to know if you listen as a podcast or on shortwave or on regular domestic radio. And here's my personal email address that nobody else reads, bob at truth, the number two ponder.com, bob at truth, the number two ponder.com. I really need to know how you're listening. Would you do that for me as a favor? And also to help pay for the airtime. Your gift is more needed now than ever and make the check payable to Ancient Word Radio. That's Ancient Word Radio. And the mailing address, Truth to Ponder, 5753 Highway 85 North. That's 5753 Highway 85 North, number 3248. That's number 3248 in Crestview. The city is Crestview, one word, Florida. And the zip code is 32536. That zip code again is 32536 and we will return and have a lot more on the other side of this break. So please stay with us. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Beerman.
2: The Two Scarlet's coming up. Shalom alechem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Khan, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now, get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. Now, now in the Bible, scarlet is the color of sin. It says in Isaiah, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Scarlet's the color of sin. Yet, scarlet is also the color of redemption. It was the color of the thread that Rahab used and was saved. It was the color of the Passover doorpost when the Hebrews uh, sprinkled it with blood and were saved. It's the color that was sprinkled the mercy seat on the Day of Atonement that saved them from sin. So it's amazing. The same color this color of sin is the color of redemption from sin. So Messiah became sin for us to take away sin from us. And interesting, as he wore this color as he was being led to his death. Amazing. You see, the Lord uses everything. He takes the color of sin and turns it to the color of redemption. He takes even your mistakes and turns them into victory. It's amazing. When you look back at your life, you find out that it's generally not the good times uh, that changed you, that produced the most good, but the bad times. It's often the greatest failures that produce the greatest victories in God. You see, all the greatest changes in your life come from the defeats and even the mistakes and the sins that are redeemed in Messiah. So, too, in your life, you know, take that guilt take that that past sin take that failure and lift it to god lift it to the cross and it will become your victory it'll become glory what was once sin will become repentance conviction holiness love and purity and zeal for god because scarlet the color of sin is also the color of redemption want more ask for the purple mystery on cd now How'd you like to be able to move mountains? Well, you can with sapphires, a super spiritual supplement to help turn your walk into a super life with God. Plus, the incredible mystery of the temple doors on CD. All free. You'll love it. How do you get it? Easy. Just remember Jesus' real Hebrew name, Yeshua, and dial it. That's it. So, to receive your free gifts, just call 1-800-YESHUA1. You will be blessed, but call now. That's 1-800-YESHUA1. Now, I invite you to join me in the Great Commission to bring salvation back to the Jewish people to reach millions of unreached peoples around the world. It's incredible. Imagine you could cover the lost nations of the world in the gospel. Well, you can. Through shortwave Radio, it's the most amazing, far-reaching way you'll ever touch the world. We do it every week. You can do it too. Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or write me direct at The Nice Jewish Boy, Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 076-44. That's The Nice Jewish Boy, Box 1111. Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, O seventy six forty four. Well, till next time. This is Jonathan Khan saying, Shalom and peace be to you, my friend. In Messiah, Asa Elohim, the Lamb of God. This is truth to ponder.
0: With Bob Bierman. I want to welcome you back to part two of our weekend edition of Truth to Ponder, and I am your host, Bob Bierman. Once again, I want to thank all of you that support this radio program, and just remind you once again, it is important that I hear from you. Even if it's just an email, let me know how you listen. And you can do that by sending me an email at truth2ponder.com, truth2ponder.com. You can also go to our website, truth2ponder.com, find out about the program, hear it as a podcast, where you can hear it, the current schedule, even your prayer requests can be left there as well. We do pray, and I'm going to ask you to pray for me. As as that listener in the beginning of the program had shared in that email, there are times this program is just frankly hard to do, and we've been doing it for two years. And, you know, I may need to take a little break at some point. We're in the middle of selling a home in Georgia, looking to relocate that part of our lives up here in Virginia, near family. And it is a very stressful time. I'm dealing with a few health issues as well. And your prayers would be extremely appreciated right now for me to be you know, to be healed and have strength to continue on with all that God has given us to do. Many of you know that I spent a number of years and still am in ordained ministry. I'm kind of semi-retired now, but but a while back I, I shared a message with, with a congregation I want to share it with you in just a moment. Understanding there's a parable that Jesus gave in the Bible about the about the seed and the sower, you know, sowing that good seed of, of God's word, and we saw the different type of soils. And, and and the thing is, right now this is a hostile world, yet we still have to broadcast to cast that seed. The word of God is, you know, like seed cast into the ground according to the Bible. And, and just because we have a hostile world doesn't mean we stop trying. It doesn't mean we stop sharing. We continue to sow that seed and pray that the Holy Spirit has created for us or the work we've done in advance to make good soil. That's important for us to all understand in this time that we live. We're living in an age of deceit, an age of lies. We have seen the church in recent years become ineffectual from the pandemic, from a strange and foreign gospel by rejecting God's word, by being a internally driven club. Hate to say it, but many churches have become cliques. And people come together because it, it... they have something in common, whether it's a golfing or a country club or an occupation. We are told to share that gospel. Put the seed out. Let the Holy Spirit prepare that ground. And here's a message to kind of explain what all that is about in the seed. So let's go into that time several years ago into a church where I preached. Heavenly Father, as we come to this time, that we hear and receive from your word. May our ears be open to hear, our eyes be open to see, our hearts be open to receive. For this we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Be seated. This parable of the sower is one of my favorite scriptures. And most people that preach on this will spend the time regurgitating, no offense to those that do, everything that Jesus had just said, most of which is pretty self-evident. After all, farmers know, they understood everything that Jesus was saying because at the time it was an agricultural society, much like it is in parts of northeast Georgia and the western Carolinas we know that when you take seed and throw it on your driveway it doesn't grow we understand when you throw seeds among the weeds it doesn't work the weeds choke it out we can all quickly identify with what jesus is saying about these various soils the pathway the stones the weeds we get it all of us can probably talk about the weeds in our life that can choke out the things we should be doing for the cause of Christ. We get that. The one thing that is seldom said regarding this parable is what is good soil and how did it get there? Think about that. It just doesn't happen. Go anywhere, there's a farmer in Rabin County, Georgia, and ask him, does the soil just produce without any effort? (laughs) No. (laughs) You have to till the soil. In other words, you have to dig in there and expose what was in the darkness under the light. You have to aerate, you have to work, and you have to weed it, so we don't get the thorns, the thistles, and the weeds to come back in, which they will do. Good soil takes preparation. Good soil takes maintenance. We sometimes forget that. The soils were not a static condition. Good soil doesn't stay that way forever. And a pathway can be torn up and made good soil. The rocks can be removed. The weeds can be pulled. Good soil can be made anywhere if you put your mind to it. I've been thinking about this congregation since I arrived here, what, about a month ago. And the job that I now have as your pastor, to do the things God would have me do with this church to make sure the legacy and the mission and the purpose of this church endure long after I'm called home to glory. And I started thinking about the characteristics of a church, and it lends itself to this concept of good soil. The things that we do to prepare the soil of this place for people to receive and hear the Word of God. You look at the characteristics of churches in this day and age. I do a radio show that is heard around the world on shortwave and online and a few other radio stations. And I often talk about what I call the post-Christian Western world. You see it in Europe, you see it in the United States, North America, this post-Christian era that we kind of live in. Christianity is not the foremost thing anymore in the hearts and minds. Europe has been leading the way as they increasingly depart from the faith in the things that they do, yet there are still those that are very committed believers even in that part of the world, in spite of it, where it becomes more difficult. See, over there, the cares of the world, the concerns have become more important than God's Word. And so we chase after the wealth. We chase after all these things, and the other's no longer important. It's shoved to the side. I'm looking at what we do. What impact can a church like this have in this community year-round, all the time? And how do we become a beacon of light? How do we become a place of hope, a place of joy, a place of healing, a place of growth? And sometimes it's the little things that we do in a church that do a lot of harm and we don't even see we're doing it. I would say, and what I'm saying here, this is no slam on this church or any other church, just the bad habits we kind of get into. I noticed one this week, and it got me thinking even more toward this sermon. And once again, it's nobody's fault. It's a natural human thing, and it's just how we're conditioned. Remember, I come in with a new set of eyes. I haven't been here. So I'm looking at the announcements, and I'm seeing a bunch of first names for people. See this person. See that person. Who are these people? I don't even know them yet. And how many churches have you looked at a bulletin and say, See John. See Bill, Ed knows, <laughs> okay? Unless you're wearing a name tag, I'm in a heap of trouble. So I made a little change in the bulletin to put the full name and title, so it kind of gives you a head start. We don't realize that sometimes in a small church, we become so intimate with each other that we don't recognize that those that come in here are not up to speed. I'm not up to speed and I'm working on it, and I'm here almost every day. It's good when a church has that intimacy and friendship. I kind of like smaller churches over bigger ones. Bigger ones are like stadiums. You get lost in the crowd and you become nothing more than observers and not participants. I like participation in a service. I like to, I like to feel that we are getting something accomplished in our time together. In fact, I'll just kind of toss this in. I've been looking at how we have structured our liturgy in this church and I've been working uh, with Paul to see can we kind of reorganize this just a little bit so it flows smoother, easier, even I'm having a hard time trying to follow along where the natural flow of the service goes from one thing to the next to the next and it makes it easier for all of us to understand what we're doing. We're not jumping to this and then jumping over here to that. St. Paul says, do all things decently and in order. And we have the right things that are decent. I just want to kind of put them into order so it's easier for us to follow and then easier for us to be engaged and not be as fumbly as we're trying to work our way through the service. And I think we've come up with a way to do that. You'll begin to see that in the next couple of weeks, just they're not major changes, they're minor changes. But once again, good soil. How do we become good soil? I I noticed something in our liturgy that I don't think anybody ever noticed when it got assembled years ago. There's something crucial, very crucial, that is missing. If you look at the bulletin, you may not notice it right away. But this week as I was kind of looking at it to help format it a little bit for the you know to fit stuff in better on the page it caught my attention when do we as a congregation take the time to pray for the needs of our people the nation and all those around us we don't we will starting today mark my words there are people in this church that have needs There are people in this church that are suffering something of a sickness, a disease, difficulties in their own personal life. This is the place, if we're good soil, let's start digging through the soil here and start doing the things that a church is supposed to do. One of my sermons a couple of weeks ago, I said, the hardest thing for a stranger to do is to walk through the doors of a church because they don't know what they're getting into. One of the things that I'm working diligently on is to really upgrade the webpage. I will create a video. I want people to be able to go to a website and know so much about this place before they get there. You know, think about the little things we are talking about before, about getting good soil, all these these preparations. Women in particular, what do I wear when I go there? Sounds silly, but it's true it's very true do I if I visit a church do I wear my collar do I wear a suit and tie can I wear blue jeans and a comfortable you know shirt I don't know how do you know we're gonna let people know before they get here I want people to have visited the website and ready to walk in the door like they've been here before that's how we need to be it's a great thing that we in the core of this congregation know each other, can talk to each other, can share with each other. But it's more important that we be able to relate the, to those that come in and not put them on the spot and make them feel bad. Make them feel welcome. Welcome home. We have a place for you here. And God called you here for a purpose, to receive his word. And we will work with you and pray with you that you become that good soil that can produce. I'll close on this thought because we have communion. I don't want to take too long. And I'll probably continue this theme next week regarding this world we live in. And I'm gonna get into next week a little bit more about the various generations that, that make up our society today. We, we hear about the great generation, those born before 1928, and the silent generation from 28 to roughly 1946, then my generation, the baby boomers that come along later up to the early to mid-60s, then Generation X, and now we have Generation Y, the Millennials, And, and even there's a division within that group. We don't even know where the beginning or ending of the Millennials is. Some say it started in 1980. I think, really, the true Millennials start more around 1990. We've got a little group kind of in between the 70s and 90s that if you begin to break down. The attitudes and the things they do. And I've lived through a time where I was born when television had started. And I've been involved in technology and I was doing computers in 1976. I've been around that a while. So I saw this coming. And now we have a group that lives for a device in a virtual world. And how do we make this church relate to that group? How do we make it relate to all those groups? And it can be done. It can be done. This church has got great days ahead. If we learn to do the basic things that we're called to do, to share our faith, to share the gospel, to commune together, to pray for each other, then God can bless this place. And my final thought, how we act toward one another. Imagine being invited to somebody's house for dinner and the couple is arguing in the kitchen. How do you feel when you're sitting in the other room? a little awkward. We as Christians need to be in a congregation at one with each other because if we're at one with each other then we can really witness and show our faith. That's where it begins. This church has got some great days ahead. I know it. I would never have accepted the call here had I not believed that with all my heart, my soul, and my mind. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity to to share in your word And hopefully something that I said today will have meaning to somebody here in this place that they can take with them. Lord, I hope the words will encourage this church and its growth, but even more so those that are visiting today to take something they heard today back to their, their home church and plant that seed to help that church grow and become good soil. Lord, let us be faithful stewards of all the gifts you've given us in Jesus' name.
1: Built on the rock the church shall stand Even when steeples are falling Crumbled have spires in every land Bells still are chiming and calling Calling the young and old to rest But above all the soul distressed longing for rest everlasting God's house of living stones, built for His own habitation. He through baptismal grace stones, heirs of His wondrous salvation. Were we but to His name to tell, yet He would then with us to dwell. With all His grace and His Yes,
0: I sincerely hope that what you just heard was a help to you and a blessing to you. And before we come to the end of this program, I want to share a couple of things. And I want you to put this in your mind. There's some things that will help you understand what has happened in our world today. Here are some distinctions that show the difference of where we are today to where we are maybe 50 years ago. Men are not women. Number one, and women are not men. We've seen this play out in sports for crying out loud. A man pretending he's a woman to compete in swimming. This is ridiculous, this is insane. And and the same is true that women are not men. Here's something else. Boyfriends and girlfriends are not spouses. This idea of living together and not getting married and trying to raise a family is is Satan's way of destroying the intact family design that God gave there is so the commitment is not there there's nothing to bind you together by the way the internet is not the local church if you're involved with any organization that the only offering they have for services is a produced online nonsense. It is not the local church. It is a fraud. It is a fake and don't waste your time. There are some that put together these fake and phony church services. They're well-produced, but it's not the gathering of yourselves together as it says in Hebrews forsaking not the gathering of thyselves together, as is the manner of some, but even more you need to be together as you see the day of the Lord approaching. Hiding in your home and watching some teacher, preacher, and phony communion service that was produced in a studio is not a real church service. I understand it, I get it, when there are times you can't get there, I understand that. But many have now ditched a local church for the church of the internet, for the virtual world, the meta world, the satanic meta world that Facebook is trying to build. These people who are nothing but wolves in sheep's clothing are trying to deceive you to stay away from that one-on-one fellowship. And all you end up doing is becoming mesmerized by that speaker who now has control over you. You're not in a congregation. You're not fellowshipping one with another. And to me, that is a way that Satan breaks that contact, that normal human contact. And when it comes to things like in in our local politics, you know, words are not guns. You know, we never had a gun problem in this country when I was growing up. We had kids that had rifles in their car (laughs) and wore Bowie knives strapped to their legs in high school. Did anybody ever use them to hurt anybody? No. It is a moral decay in our nation today. Creatures are not the uh, creator, and sin is never righteous. Listen, if you believe in our work, would you consider helping us out financially to pay for the radio time? Make a check payable to Ancient Word Radio. Ancient Word Radio. Mail that check to Truth to Ponder, 5753 Highway 85 North. That's 5753 Highway 85 North. Our secure box number three two four eight. That's three two four eight. The city is Crestview. That's one word, Crestview, Florida, and the zip code is three two five three six. That zip code again is three two five three six. And until we gather again next week, may God richly bless you. Is my prayer. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman.